You've got to have confidence. If you're going to live for God, you've got to have confidence in Him. Grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14, and I want to read verse 22, including verse number 32 tonight. I know you've heard these passages of Scripture before, but I feel like that it's right in line with what the Lord wants us to teach tonight. Because I think all of us need to understand when we lose our confidence in God, you start doubting God. You never want to doubt Him. Never want to doubt Him. Matthew chapter 14, reading at verse number 32, and it reads like this. And straightway, Joel, is that the right chapter? Pardon? Chapter 12. How did I get that wrong? So I'm telling you, it's getting old stuff's not good. Is that what I put on that paper? Go to 22, I mean 14. See if that's the right verse. Did you find it yet? 14, 20, and straightway. How in the world that happened, I don't know. I forgot. Amen. I could tell you something tonight, but I'm not going to tell you that. Verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrains his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him and to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. They cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter was come down out of the ship, and he walked on the water. I want you to notice that. He did walk on the water and go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately the Lord stretched forth his hand and caught him, said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. You may be seated. Another passage I'd like to throw in here at the beginning of this Bible study tonight is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. And it reads like this. For the which I cause also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I've, I believe I can trust him. You know, in our life from the very beginning, we are taught to trust 
Somebody said, Brother Willis, how can that be? We're taught to trust. As little children, we're taught to trust. From a very early age, one of the main lessons we are taught, that is to trust in people and situations and circumstances. The lessons in life must be taught to every child. Every child has got to be taught to trust. We're never able to walk from, from birth, but our parents teach us how to walk. And they learn to trust us. We sit on the other side of the room and we say, come here. I remember years ago when we were evangelizing, Brother Allman's boy, brother, the young Brother Allman's boy, had just uh, started to crawl around. And I remember I was sitting there in the house one day. We were in revival with the Almonds. And I remember saying to him, I said, come here. And he just stood there for a minute up against a chair. He turned around, and for the first time in his life, he began to walk. There was something about my voice or something about that that he trusted me that everything was going to be all right. You know, we get our kids, and we set them up on a chair, and we say, now, come on, jump. I'll catch you. They'll do that. They'll get up on that chair or on a stool. And they'll jump because they trust you. They have confidence. They know that you're going to catch them. They don't have to worry about injury. They don't have to worry about falling because they know that you're, you're there waiting to catch them. We've got to understand that, that we can trust in God. How many tumbles and how many falls does a child have when he's learning to walk or learning to get around? He has a bunch. But when we get to the place where they can trust us and we say, come here, we'll catch you. And we do that, it, it makes a world of difference. We've jumped, uh, we watched our children jump from chairs. We've watched them jump from stools. And they, they say catch. And then take them to the swimming pool. Get them out there with some godly clothes on. And tell them, say, come on, jump in the water. And, and they'll, you have to get out in the water to get them to do that. But they'll trust you. And they'll jump right in that water because they know you're going to save them from that. I was looking on the internet last night, and they had a new thing for children, and it was a, uh, like a band you put around them, and this band, it's kept them above the water. You could just turn them loose in the middle of the pool. They couldn't flip over everything. And so they put it on these little babies, and these little babies would trust that. They'd get them out there. They wouldn't cry. They wouldn't scream. They wouldn't do anything. They'd just float out in the water just having a blast because they could trust that. And I think we need to understand that our trust needs to be in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we, when we think about this, how many times do we trust in the Lord for all that he's done? But a bunch of times. I thought that when we was thinking, I was thinking in this Bible study tonight, and I thought, you know, we have learned to believe and trust in him each and every day. A lot of people say, well, Brother Willis, you don't have to trust in the Lord to be saved. I believe you do got to trust in him so here we realize that we we know what god can do many times we put the safety of our children in our ability to catch them what's so strange if we ride a bus we get on that bus we don't think about the driver we just get on the bus find us a seat sit down and we trust that driver we say man that's he's going to get us where we're going climb on an airplane that goes hundreds of miles an hour we don't think about the pilot or the co-pilot. We don't already think about that. We trust them. We've climbed on a plane and flew around the world pretty well. Flew for hours, 12 and 13 hours at a time. And I, I trusted that pilot that he knew what he was doing. If we can trust a pilot and we can trust a bus driver and we can trust somebody that's in charge of a multi-million dollar machine, 
climb on there and lay my head back. And I went and laid my head back and went to sleep. I didn't worry. I looked around and everybody was just her head cozy, head back, because they trusted that pilot and trusted that co-pilot. If you can do that, if you can put that kind of trust in a human being, then why in the world can't we put that kind of trust in the Savior of the world who created everything in the very beginning? He formed us out of the dust of the earth. He breathed into the breath of life. And so he gave us all this hope so we've got to learn to trust him. Many times we have a problem trusting in the creator of mankind, and that's a shame. We have problems trusting him that he'll keep our soul safe until he comes back after his church. We worry about that. You know, when I got in the church several years ago, repented of my sins, got baptized in Jesus' name, I committed my heart and my soul to the Lord. And I said, God, I'm going to trust you. One of the biggest things that we find, salvation not something we can conjure up ourselves. It comes directly from the Lord. It was bought and paid for by Jesus Christ himself. We had nothing to do with that. Had nothing to do with purchasing it. So going back in the scripture, when I look back and, and read concerning Jesus Christ walking on the sea in the fourth watch of the night, which was about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning, it was about that time that Jesus came walking on the sea. And the disciples looked out, and they thought it was a spirit. It scared them. But when he, he spoke to them and he said, listen, you don't have to be afraid. Be of good cheer. It's me. Everything's all right. When he said that, all those, they took away the fear from those disciples. And Peter was always the one who spoke up. He was the brash one. He was the one that oftentimes would speak up when nobody else would. And he said, Lord, if that's really you, I want you to bid me to come to you. Let me walk on the water. Let me do just what you were doing. That was a miracle that Jesus walking on the water. So when he bid Peter to come, he said, well, Peter, just come. Peter stepped out of the boat, and my friend, that's when the devil stepped on the scene. When you're living for God, the devil's going to step on the scene. He'll tell you that you're not saved. He'll tell you you don't have the Holy Ghost. He'll tell you you're not fit to live for God. He'll do everything he can to get you to doubt the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. Peter believed. He stepped out of that boat. It wasn't that he didn't have faith. He had faith when he stepped out of the boat. That's why he was able to walk on the water until he looked around and saw all the things that were against him. I want you to know this world's not for us. This world is against us. It does not want us to live for God. The devil don't want us to be saved. Peter stepped out of the boat and he had faith when he stepped out. He had confidence when he stepped out. But all the things that come against him made him begin to doubt. Doubt is one of the biggest tools the devil ever used against humanity. If he can get you to doubt, I don't care how long you've had the Holy Ghost. I don't care how long you've been in the church. He'll get you doubting and you'll begin to wonder, am I really saved? Do I really have what it takes to be saved? Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, don't let nobody discourage you from living for God. Make up your mind that you want to live for God every day and serve him. The devil began to work on, on Peter's mind. He saw around what he saw around him made him lose confidence in the God that he was trusting in. What we see around us, I don't care how many people backslide. I don't care how many people walk away from God. That doesn't include you. You can make up your mind because what you've given to the Lord, he's able to keep. It's like the scripture I read to be in the very beginning of this. 
Whatever you turn to God, God's able to keep that. He's able to keep you. When I got the Holy Ghost in 1962, God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that God was able to keep me. 55 plus years now I've lived for God, and God's kept me all this time. Why? Because I kept my confidence in Him. Don't start doubting God. I don't care what anybody says or what anybody does. Don't let the devil put doubt in your heart and in your mind. We're in this thing to make it to the end. Not, of us, not every one of us, a friend, are going to be an apostle. Not every one of us are going to have great faith. We've got to trust in the Lord. Many times things going around us will make us doubt the promise of God. The things we see and hear at work will work against us to try us to doubt the Lord and everything he does. I might not pray as much as you. I might not sing as loud as you. I might not dance as much as you. But that doesn't mean, friend, that I'm not a born-again, Bible-believing child of God. And I don't want the devil to put a, a doubt in my mind where I say, Preacher, you're getting old now. You can't do what you used to do. You can't go where you used to go, sing like you used to sing, preach like you used to preach. And the devil put doubt in my mind. And you need don't let the devil put doubt in yours. Brother J. Frank Wilson told about himself. He said when he got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he was praying down in the, and I believe it was in the barn or in the woods. I can't remember, Sister Willis, in the woods, I think it was. And he said he was praying out there in the woods, and he said, man, I got the Holy Ghost. I started speaking in tongues, and he said, I wanted to go tell Mom and Dad I got, just got the Holy Ghost. He said, I left the woods, and I started down to the house. said, I got about halfway there, and the devil said, you didn't get the Holy Ghost. You didn't get the Holy Ghost. He said, I begin to doubt. He said, I turned around, went back to the woods again, and began to pray until I spoke in tongues. He said, I knew that I'd got the Holy Ghost. He said, I started the house, and the devil said to me again, you didn't get the Holy Ghost. He drove that doubt deep down into Brother Wilson's mind. So he said, I turned back around the second time, went back to the woods, fell on my knees, and he said, this time, he said, I didn't quit. I prayed and prayed and spoke in tongues and spoke in tongues. He said, this time when I got up, he said, I didn't walk to the house. I ran to the house screaming, I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because doubt will work on you. It'll work on your heart, on your soul, on your mind. It'll come against you. Folks, the devil's still at his dirty tricks. He's still trying to convince people that has been in the church for years that they're not saved. He's trying to tell them that. We've got to be careful as preachers. Sometimes the things we say will make, will just give the devil advantage. You say preachers can't make, give the devil advantage. Yes, we can too. We can say things that will make people begin to doubt their experience with God. We will. Sometimes we say things that may think, well, maybe I really don't have the born-again experience that I need deep down inside of my heart. I don't ever want to get that in somebody's life. If I can do anything, I want to encourage somebody to live for God. I want to encourage somebody to be saved. I want to do that. You might be the strongest member of the church. I don't care who you might be. But listen, you can lose your confidence in God if you listen to the power of hell. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 12 through 23. Let me read this to you. The Bible said in verse number 12, For as the body is one, it hath many members, and all members of that one body, being many are of one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, 
but many. It's made up of, of, of vicissitude of, of people. Not everybody the same. Not everybody's personality is the same. And the, and the Bible goes on to say this. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is there therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is, therefore, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where is the hear? Where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. And if they're all one member, where, uh, where, uh, where were the body? But now they are all many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble. And I want you to notice this. So I was reading today the scripture. The Bible said those members of the body which are more feeble. Not everybody is strong as they can be. My little toe is not as big and not as strong as my arm. But I'm still, still a member of the body. We sometimes disregard folks because they're, they're not, they don't jump as much as we jump or run as much as we run. The Bible still said they're members of the body. We're all baptized into one body. But sometimes the things we say will get those little members, those weak members, doubting if they're part of the body. Brother Arnold had, had just had part of his foot taken off. And then somebody said, well, he can live without that. Yes, he can, but he'll miss that. He'll miss that because that's part of his body. But then we realize, he said, nay, much more those members of the body seem more feeble are necessary. In other words, everybody in this church is necessary. Every one of you that's living for God is necessary. I can't rule you out of this church because you don't sing like I sing or shout like I shout or run like I run. You that are getting older, you can't do what you used to do. So I can't rule you out and say, well, you're not part of the body. That's not true. He said even the most feeble members are necessary. And if we start saying things, it's going to drive the confidence of our life away. And we're going to say, listen, I'm not any good anymore. I can't do anything. I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't sing like Sister Willis. I don't, I don't run the aisles like Brother Arnold used to do. I don't do that anymore. So it's not me. The Bible said, and those members of the body, which we think are less honorable, that's, that's the weak members. He said, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. When I got into church, I repented of my sins. And I was baptized in Jesus' name and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I did so because I put all my confidence one night in Jesus Christ. God's not going to give you the Holy Ghost if you don't have confidence in him. But that night I went to the altar and I meant business. I believed God was going to fill me with the Holy Ghost, and I prayed until I told the preacher's son, I said, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. He said, how do you know? I said, I've been praying and fasting, and I believe God's going to give you the Holy Ghost tonight. So I went to the altar, and I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's been 50, uh, 59, I figured it up today, 59 years ago that God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I, 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 what I prayed through to that night, I still believe today 
and I still trust in and I have confidence in the same God that give me the Holy Ghost. I have confidence in that same God. Somebody said, well, preacher, you're getting older. I don't care how old I get. God's still the same. I'm going to trust him. I'm not an apostle Paul by any means, but I still have confidence in Christ. How about you? Don't let the devil tell you, hey, you can't live for God anymore. Or you're, 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 not, you're not loud like the rest of us. or You don't run the aisles. You're not part of hey, Even the most feeble member of what I found in the word of God right here, it says necessary. It's necessary. They're part of the church. The Bible said they're part of the body. So we've got to understand every one of us in the building tonight that's filled with the Holy Ghost and trying our best to live right, we're part of the body. We're part of God's glorious church. So we've got to understand that. I've never walked on the water. I've never been called up into the third heaven like John the Revelator. I've never been there. But I want to tell you something. My confidence in God is still the same. Years ago when I came down with tuberculosis and I was dying, there's no doubt about it. Sister Willis can, can uh, affirm this. I mean, I was sick. I couldn't hardly walk. You couldn't stand to be in the room with me because my lungs were so rotten. I mean, they, they smelled, uh, smelled like a, a, just a dead body. I was awful shape. Her mother and, 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 and Sister Willis then put me in the back seat of their new Cadillac and drove 150 miles to a, to a fellowship meeting. I walked into that fellowship meeting I'm holding on to the back of the pews and walked up front where the minister was. And I said, I want you to pray for me. I'm dying. If God don't heal me, I, I'm not going to make it. They prayed for me that night. And I had confidence that God was going to heal me. I trusted him. I believed him. So I went up that night and I stood there and got prayed for. I would go to work. The boss would send me home. I, I, he said, you're going to infect our entire shop. But I trusted the Lord. I might not have been the most important member in the church, but I believe God. I had confidence in him. Somebody said, well, brother, well, somebody said something the other day that knocked my confidence. Don't listen to that junk. Don't listen to that garbage. Don't listen to that stuff. Put your faith in the Lord. So I walked up and got prayed for that night. They anointed me and prayed the prayer of faith. I remember some of the ministers that prayed for me. My pastor, brother, and my assistant pastor, brother Norris Walters, prayed for me, and, and brother George Hammersley, and men back years ago. Most of those men are gone now. But they prayed the prayer of faith, and God instantly healed me. I went home that night. Next Monday morning, I got up and went to work without a cough, without a smell. I could, I could smell, but I didn't smell everybody else. But I remember I went to, I went to work. And, 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 and my boss standing there with his hands on his hips and said, what in the world happened to you? I said, God healed me. I was able to tell him that. I said, I told you he would. I told you God was going to heal me. He delivered me. So I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not somebody special. I'm just one of the members of his church. I'm part of his body. I think sometimes there's discouraging words that people say that they should never say to a saint of God. Never. Friend, you need to say something encouraging. When I preach, I want to preach an encouraging message. I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. I want to tell you that Jesus cares. I don't want to tell you how low down you are, how you don't pray enough, you don't fast enough. I, that's not my business to tell you that. But I want to tell you if you put your faith and confidence in the Lord, everything's going to work out. I've heard Sister Pam say this several, several times. She said, I've had a few ups and downs, but I've never had some ins and outs. Never had ins and outs. Why? Because of trusting in the Lord.
Bible said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's what we've got to trust in. We've got to trust in him. Not everyone in the church is on the same level. We're not. But if we're a born-again part of the body of Christ, and you're doing your best to live for God. Let me, let me add that. You're doing your best to live for God. You're not smoking, drinking, cussing, lying, cheating, stealing, doing the things the world is, and you're living for God. Hold on to that confidence. Trust in the Lord. And say, God, I know you're not going to fail me. You might come to church some night and not feel a thing. You might get down to pray and feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. But don't quit. Don't say God walked away from me. But Daniel played 21 times, I believe it was, for, for the Lord to do something. And, and it never, never happened. Never happened. Finally, the Lord spoke and said, the angel of the Lord said, said the king of Persia stood in your way. You just held on. He didn't lose his confidence. He didn't lose his faith. He held on to the Lord. Somebody said, well, what if God does not answer my prayer? What if God doesn't come on the scene and help me? Still hold on to God. Not everybody. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got delivered from the fiery furnace. But listen, Stephen didn't get, didn't get surrendered from the stoning he got. It took his life. We've got to make up our mind to serve him. So not everybody in the church is on the same spiritual level. But we're all, and I say this, all of us are a born-again part of the body of Christ. I wish you could say that everybody in this church was on fire, but some of us just have a pilot light while others have a raging flame. But even the pilot light is necessary. Even that little flame is necessary. I want to encourage all of us to understand that God loves every one of us. He does. He loves every one of us. He trusts us. We need to trust him. We need that God is real. My dad let me use the car when I was growing up, about 16 years old. My older brothers did not have driver's license. So they put me up to go and ask dad, said, dad, can I use the car tonight? My dad trusted me. I thank God for that. So my brothers, they couldn't use the car. But here I was the youngest one of the family, and I got to use the car because he trusted me. Now, if he knew what I did with that car, he, he would... He would not have trusted me. He put a brand new set of snow tires. I remember on it we had a, a Ford Interceptor police car. And he put a brand new set of tires on the back of it. And I would lay 150 foot of rubber. My dad said, I've never seen tires wear out that fast. That's the worst tires I ever bought in my life. The worst tires I ever bought in my life. But I would have never got to use that car. I would have never got to use that car if dad didn't trust me. Folks, I want to tell you something. You might not always see the results of trust. It might not just, just open up your eyes all of a sudden you see what's going on. But you need to put your faith and confidence in God. And I encourage you to understand that you're part of the church. That's the ecclesia. That's the, that's the bought-out church. That's, that's God's church. You're part of it. And just sometimes the devil will make you feel so insignificant and so small that you're not doing anything for God. But if you're living for God, and I say this again, if you're living for God with all your heart and you're doing your best, you're as much of the church as I am. You're as much of the church as Pastor Reigns. You're as much of the church because the Bible said even the most feeble member is what? Necessary. 
necessary. I don't use that little finger a lot, but I didn't want to lose it. I wouldn't want to lose it. I don't use these teeth of mine except to eat, but I hate to lose them. They run around dad gummit everywhere. I don't want to, I don't want to lose it. I want to hang on to what I got. When I think of Peter, such a powerful man of God, and then all of a sudden, just through a few steps on the water, the devil was able to destroy his confidence. Now, if that can happen to somebody like Peter, what about you and I? It's who you listen to, who you're around. My friend, what's going on around you that's distracting you? Put your faith and your confidence in the Lord. And remember, confidence is a feeling of belief, a trust, a firm trust, not just a simple trust, but a firm trust. Trust in the Lord and believe God will answer you. When Daniel was sown in the lion's den, he trusted the Lord. The three Hebrew children said, if God don't deliver us, it's all right anyhow, because he trusted in the Lord. I believe when we learn to trust in God, nothing can discourage us. Nothing can turn us away. Nothing can make us back down for what we believe. We've got to be faithful to him. I think lots of times I've heard preachers preach, and I'm not picking on the ministry, but I've heard preachers preach, and they say things sometimes that are harsh, some things that are rough, some things that, that really they should never say because it discourages people instead of encouraging people. We need to encourage everybody to live for God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you fast and pray, that's wonderful. You should. If you're faithful to church, that's wonderful. You should. But not everybody can come to church. Not everybody's healthy enough to make it to church. Not everybody's healthy enough, my friend, to pray as much as we pray or sing as much as we sing. But they're still a part of the church. And I want to thank God for that. So when I think of this body, I don't know how many parts they are. I wish I would have looked that up today, how many parts they are to our body. But the littlest, feeblest member, they, they, now they've learned to take out, take out your appendix. One day that was useful. I don't know what they used it for, but it was useful. It might have been a little member, but, but it was necessary. That's why God created in the very beginning. But all these things are necessary for every one of us. Live for God. Make up your mind to serve him. And don't let nothing discourage you from living for God. Absolutely nothing. Make up your mind and say, Preacher, I don't care what the devil says. He's not going to get me to doubt the Lord. I'm going to trust and believe in him. I was riding with Sister Willis's mother several years ago. And I don't know whether we was married or dating. I can't remember. We was talking about the Lord going down the road. And all of a sudden, she went into a shouting spell. She let go of the steering wheel. She was shouting. That head going back and forth, them arms up in the air, and her speaking in tongues. Nobody was touching that steering wheel. And I began to doubt. Praise God. And uh, then I began to pray. <laughs> said, Thank the Lord it never went off the road and stayed. Sister Willis, you remember that? That car just stayed right on that road. You got to have faith, folks. You got to have faith. So, whatever you do, don't let the devil take your confidence away from you. If you're living for God, just keep living for God. If you're serving God, just keep serving God. Try to do your best every day. 
I said, try to do your best every day. I don't exactly, my friend, know exactly how I've lived for God all these years. But I don't one thing I've lived for God because I have not distrusted him. Put my faith, my confidence in him, and God's been right there every day. Stand on the promises of God. And stop looking around. Peter, if you wouldn't have looked around, you would have made it. But you let the devil of doubt come into your mind, and that's what stopped you from doing what you, you, you was doing. Don't let the devil of doubt stop you. You're coming to church, and the preacher preaches something that grinds your grits. I'm telling you, as the old boy said, just hang on. Hang on. If something's said by somebody, and we've had people that have come to church and they got discouraged because somebody said something to them that they shouldn't have said. If they'd have been really trusting in the Lord, they would have just kept on going. Kept on going. And everything would have been all right. So I'm coming to a close, short and sweet. And I want you to keep your confidence up, all of us in this church. He said, well, if we're supposed to have a church, we should have every seat full. Listen, folks, I got more faith in God that. I'm going to, not going to let that discourage me. I'm going to keep living for him every day. Isn't that right, DJ? Oh, yeah, that's what I said. I believe that. Pastor, it's yours.